0: The theme for the uh, afternoon talk is <coughs> Meta, the, the power of love. With this uh, talk with you this afternoon, we'd like to give some time to the Importance of love in the uh, human experience. The variety of uh, some of the variety of aspects of what uh, love uh, is, its place in meditation, and uh, uh, in the daily life as well. With the uh, the body of teachings of the Dharma, much emphasis is placed on Metta, M-E-T-T-A. It has a threefold uh, meaning. It means love. It means friendship (coughs) and it means loving loving kindness. Quite often in the tradition (coughs) (coughs) it is mostly used Uh, as loving kindness but uh, the Buddha's teachings reflect and mirror that uh, threefold uh, approach there is a quiet but important power to the human experience of, uh, of love it's at times but not always it is a manifestation and an emergence from the heart. You and I may meet persons and we may say "Oh, she or he has so much love or such a friendly person or or, uh, so much warmth and so much uh, uh, kindness and we find ourselves in the company of such people quite often uh, responding in a a way of appreciation and uh, gratitude of the significance of friendship, love and uh, kindness. We notice as well that in its communication, in this case, from ourselves uh, to the other, or vice uh, versa, the presence of that in action, in the voice, in the uh, way of being, in the communications, uh, writing and so forth, provides us with the opportunity to hear and be heard more easily when you and I can sense, feel and know that there is love in the air, so to speak. It's in that voice. It's in that activity. It's in that message uh, to us. And the receiving uh, of that gives human beings an accessibility to each other in which the bridge is the kindness, the bridge is the friendship, the communication. Quite often, some of the great gods of women and men who have walked on this uh, earth, for whom there is immense uh, appreciation and uh, love, respect and devotion, it is because of the love which he or she or they have shown and sometimes that love in the forms of uh, service as one uh, has been uh, sustained has given has been given by those who offer it such significance of importance that it's of more importance than the protection of their own life that their love for Human beings, for humanity, for uh, uh, for life, there is the capacity of some people on this earth, past and present, to say truly dedicated to this, and that means that there is a putting aside of the self-interest, in this case the preservation of one's own life and stayed true to something of the deepest value and one of the deepest values of our species is is love and sometimes perhaps you and I we have had the opportunity to meet uh, with such people or hear their uh, voices and uh, what's come cross for them, from them, sometimes has given us a little bit of extra confidence, a little bit of extra inspiration, and say, well, if this human being can live like this, maybe there's some chance, some possibility for myself as well. And we hear and read, you know, from some of the, 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 the great gods of the earth, and uh, contemporary uh, uh, situations. And to give a small of the many uh, stories that we can um, find uh, on this earth there is a wonderful Buddhist monk saint who uh, died a decade or two ago the Venerable Maha Goshenanda and he and I living in the same uh, monastery living a very, very solitary... He lived a very solitary life because he stayed pretty well in his small room and rarely stepped out of it while the rest of us did our practice outdoors in the, in the ground. So he was a, a solitary, isolated monk within his uh, room and um, he told me uh, uh, once that um, during this... Uh, the Holocaust of the mid-1970s in which a third of the population of the people of Campuchia formerly Cambodia uh, were murdered and slaughtered uh, there by the Khmer Rouge and hundreds of thousands fled and he said to me that he had 17 relatives in Cambodia in uh, Campuchia and he said all of them were murdered, because they were members of the uh, influential judges, lawyers, diplomats. His brother was a diplomat, first secretary in the Bangkok embassy. He flew back there, he was arrested, tortured and killed as he got off the plane. And he went, just say one example, to northern uh, Thailand to work in the refugee camps but the Khmer Rouge were in the refugee camps as well because they had fled uh, as well and he received dana donations and printed lots of loving kindness leaflets may all beings live in peace may all beings be happy these leaflets and distributed them the Khmer Rouge were trying to stir up aggression and violence and uh, more conflict. And he kept giving these leaflets out there and there were so many threats to him that his uh, friends and monks and people said to him, you should leave, you have to leave the camps, they're going to kill you with these threats. And they bought him a ticket to Paris Uh, where some peace negotiations were going on. So he went down to Bangkok. He had the airline ticket in his uh, hand. He went to the uh, travel agent. He cashed in the airline ticket. He printed another million leaflets, got back in a truck, went up to the refugee camps and gave out all of these leaflets there. And then he started the Yatras in uh, after the Civil War uh, uh, were over, these walks and pilgrim- pilgrimages there. And I said, oh, please, please, Baha Gosha, let me come. I want to be on the Yatra uh, uh, with you and give support to the Cambodian people. He said, no, no, we're not allowing any internationals. It's too dangerous. We'd... I said, come on, we're friends. No, no, you can't come. Okay, okay. Uh, uh, there. In, um, they were staying in monasteries in the hall. One night, the uh, Khmer Rouge threw into the hall two anti-personnel mines and both hit the, 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 the ground there, uh, landmines, anti-personnel mines, and incredibly, they didn't blow up. But another time, with they walking, two of the uh, walkers were just shot dead while they were walking. And one sometimes here's the, you know, these accounts of these stories of this quiet dignity and uh, uh, fearlessness, which comes out of um, out of human beings. And very quickly at the end of the story, one of really 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 touched me. We, he and I were standing in Washington D.C. on the steps of the Senate. It was September nineteen ninety seven. Princess Diane had just died in this uh, terrible car crash in uh, Paris and she had become an international voice to stop the production of landmines, anti-personnel uh, mines. So Maha Ghoshalanda, maybe a week after her uh, death, perhaps 10 days, was standing here in the Senate giving support to the UN and it's quiet determination to end the landmine production and only four countries would not sign the agreement one was Italy one was the US one was China and one was russia and that was the what the campaign and the press and the media were there you uh, know uh, standing together and they had you know as you probably seen, all the microphones there and they said well say something say something and he looked in his beautiful, angelic, southeastern manner, are there and he said, the anti-personnel minds which we find in the ground started in our mind. That's where they began and that's where they went to. We have to uproot the anti-personnel minds inside of us and in the ground to stop them. And then he said, rather un-Buddhistically, he bowed, he said, oh, Amen. <laughs> and immediately the press were more, more, more. He said, it is, it is enough. And they went quiet and quietly walked away. You know, sometimes it's not only the love and the dedication and the fearlessness and the, and the Uh, commitment. Sometimes it's the short statement and it it rings with such a deep truth that out there is in here, in here is out there etc. So in the the exploration of the um, finding ways to make Uh, changes uh, uh, in our life, when it comes to meditation as an uh, example, quite often and it easily happens that metta the friendship and the kindness there, is kind of reserved or conserved as a kind of particular practice. It's a little bit kind of in our Western tradition uh, there to kind of compartmentalise you know, and to some degree uh, obviously I've been doing it here breath, body, feeling, states of mind etc and then another one common and loved and appreciated is these metta meditations there in which there is the outreach generally speaking to all uh, beings the Buddha himself does not offer any method or technique, languages or forms uh, for the development of meta. And the view is while expressing appreciation for the tradition which has certainly has, has uh, done that, the view primarily is in this body of teachings, is that the finding of wisdom, the clarity of the heart and mind will naturally bring out the kindness, the love, and the friendship. It is the outburst uh, or the outflow, we might say, uh, of wisdom. Wisdom will be confirmed in its kindness, in our kindness, in the friendship, uh, in the expressions of love. And that finding the wisdom can touch a deep place in the the being, does touch a deep place in the being, and in the language of ancient India and perhaps in the language of contemporary religious life, in most religions, the Buddha used the utmost words possible to make the point clear He used the words Brahma, Vihara, and love, friendship and kindness. Brahma means God, literally it's actually God the creator, exactly the same as the uh, Western God or the Middle Eastern God uh, there. And Vihara, Brahma, Vihara, this in language uh, is... Vihara is a place of abiding. In this case, Vihara is a religious place of uh, abiding uh, there. It is an abode. It is synonymous, it's synonymous with the home. Bihar, which is the next state to Uttar Pradesh, where the Buddha was enlightened, Bihar actually has its origin in Vihara. Uh, uh, so this is the home of the people of Bihar. And the Buddha used the same language, it means to abide with God, to abide in God, to abide or dwell in the kingdom of God. And that language had to attract the deeply religious people as it does today, just as it did two and a half thousand uh, uh, years ago. So the teachings are not an anti God. It's not the Buddha's not an atheist, but he's not a theist either. And he's certainly absolutely he's not an agnostic. So there isn't the tendency to identify with a, a view uh, this. It my view. It is the skillful use of the language. And sometimes When people of the uh, earth listen, that means listen in this case to uh, the teaching, some, and including some of you in here, (coughs) really may be (coughs) genuinely and deeply comfortable with the language of God. It really feels okay to use. And the Buddha himself insisted in the exploration that the language of God is completely okay. There's no resistance to the language of God. And we find it in the Brahma Viharas to deeply abide with God is with love and it's with compassion and it's deep appreciative joy, equanimity, that capacity to be deeply steady like the earth in the face of what happened and much, much uh, more. And, it, and it's found as well, in the kind of ground of being, Brahma Buddhadha uh, would be another there. It's found in the language of Brahmacharya. He uses that word to live life with a heartfulness and a carefulness, the conduct of God. So the, the, in, in ethics, in spiritual religious practices, in speaking of the most deepest expressions of life, one finds regularly, not occasionally, but very, very regularly, the language of Brahma, a recognition for some people, the language of God is a really supportive, helpful language to use. And for some, that does evoke out of the human being an extraordinary sense that inside of the human being of a love of God, of a devotion to God. And where the distinction is made, and it is a very major distinction, very major one, that the word God in the Buddhist Dharma was taken, <coughs> or as it were, pulled back, so to speak, from some external agency who had control over life who dispensed um, reward and punishment heaven and hell this is, is not the God that the Buddha spoke of and the confirmation of God is our love when we sometimes read God is love with the Buddha he said it and he meant it. And that which is not of love, the identification with religious beliefs, the, 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 the violence, the uh, some of the theologies of all the religions, including Buddhism, uh, the patriarchy, the sex, uh, sexism, the discrimination there, the misogyny, and much, much else, None of that is related to God. It is related to human belief systems which discriminate against, and so in the religion sometimes the uh, uh, the gay and lesbian community and the bisexual community and other other faiths and secularism. That is in the Buddhist teachings. It got nothing, nothing whatsoever to do with God. In the name God, but no connection. The confirmation of God in these teachings is your love. It is your love. And sadly, it's just uh, so often forgotten. So often forgotten. In the inspiration of love, in that deep sense, that kind of transcendent sense of the ordinary mind uh, there, it also and equally, equally can be in the very small acts uh, uh, in which we uh, uh, engage. And when coming back to the moment to the uh, retreat it itself, <coughs> we may not always recognise Love or friendship or kindness in the practice And you know, kind of to be fair to ourselves here and, and to others It can be that we think of love in the general way But we might ask ourselves the question What shows the love in the sitting? What is the manifestation of the kindness in a very slow walking? What is the affirmation of love in the noble silence in the biting on some food in the in the thought which arises so since love is so essential to the human existence since so much of our poetry cinema plays theater novels music dance the arts in general what would be a one word which actually links and combines much of that in the world of arts and culture and much of it in some way or other not always is an exploration of love sometimes it's just the love of the artist to be creative and to share and to uh, offer uh, something. And obviously, in the poetry and in the music, and uh, uh, in dance and plays, and much, much, much more, that, that it's often about love and sometimes the entanglement of love and the struggles with love. And it just reflects a how important love is. I mean, even I, I never watched them myself, but even those soap operas. The, in Britain, you have this EastEnders and Coronation Street, and uh, probably some others I don't know what they're called. Then, sure, you have perhaps in your respective. But it's quite often about the dynamics of the relationships. They always sound so depressed, don't they? These. Uh, there. But somewhere in it is about <coughs> love and issues and re- and re- and uh, resolving them uh, uh, as as well. And William Shakespeare, who I absolutely love to love to, to uh, get the opportunity to see a play. His br- cousin, who was a Catholic, who was the state was looking for him for torture and execution because he was a Jesuit priest there. He, I read that he spoke to his cousin Shakespeare and he said to him, Shakespeare, he said, he said, William, you know, he said, why don't you place these incredible gifts of writing that you have? Uh, and he writes in this yambic pentameter, quite often the ten syllables, the rise and fall of one word after the next, or one syllable after the next. <coughs> he said, why don't you write all of this but to reflect God? Why do we put it to the service of God? And William Shakespeare is reported to have said, this is to his cousin, the Jesuit priest, life isn't about Our relationship with God. It's about our relationship with each other. And in the exploration of uh, of all of that, sometimes in the midst of it, the transcendent element called uh, God is really, come back to a point, really means something. It really has a significance. For some, uh, for some people, and particularly quite often for people in their old age and dying and death, and it gives a genuine consolation. My good mother, uh, one example, deeply religious. The uh, Catholic, I commented. She's more a Roman Catholic than the Pope. And um, time to time, we would have some agreement that we would not discuss religion, because. The mother and the son had different kind of views on these matters. It was a little bit too hot to uh, touch upon. And she said to me very regu- regular, regularly, she prayed every day, and she, I'm going home uh, there, and your father, actually stepfather, uh, he, he's there uh, waiting for me, and that's my sister commented rather wryly uh, once your mum's um our mum's uh living to such a long age and I bet our dad's really appreciative of that <laughs> you know, human you know human heart for this of these of all the of all of these things. Pointing that the trust and the love and uh, the, the security and the faith really helped in the ageing dying process I don't personally wish to be scientifically correct I don't wish you to say well there's no proof of this you know etc etc it's just what you believe and why should you believe that it's probably just cessation extinction at the end no no it gives support I'm not going to be the person who's going to try and take away that kind of support I think it's brutal to do that And the confirmation, in a very small but important way, came at the very end of the life. And I was uh, touched when my sister rang. In the evening time my sister was there, my mum was coming up to her 95th birthday in the home for the aged, which she loved. She was surprised, because she loved living alone. And she said, oh, I don't want to live in the home for the aged. But then soon as she was there, after one day, she had so many people to talk to, so she just loved it. She was completely <coughs> at home with it. She liked flying from England to Australia. She said, I said, what about the flight, Mum? You're nearly And it's, you know, it's a long flight. She said, oh, I love it. So many interesting people to talk to on the plane. Here's <laughs> <laughs> my mum <is> here. <laughs> On the evening time, she said, I'm going to make a cake for the staff, and for the other people in the uh, home. And she didn't mind, you know, chatting if they had Alzheimer's or dementia. She just liked talking and, and listening there. And then in the morning, so and she wanted to go to the film, she left cinema, she, she wanted to go to the cinema the next week with my sister. In the morning time, she woke up, 8 o'clock, and the young uh, attendant uh, there who actually told me the story, came into my mum and and would bring, because she loved my mum, so she'd bring her a cup of tea in bed. It was kind of special. Every morning a cup of tea in bed. And my mum woke up and said, Oh, hello Peggy. It's like a cup of tea. This kindness and warmth and friendship of this old lady with a young woman, maybe mid or early twenties. And my mum said, Oh, I'd love a cup of tea. And just as she was going out of the door to put the kettle on to make a cup of tea, my mum said, oh, I'm ready to die. And the good young lady said, oh, come on, Peggy, come on, stop, I'm ready to go. She went out, put the kettle on, came back five minutes later, my mum had gone. and that um, <clears throat> uh, trust and her, her faith and, uh, and communications with uh, people and her kindnesses and the kindnesses that came back, to, uh, back uh, uh, to her really made what we might call a transition in life whatever you want to describe it just kind of quietly moving out of life there and there's something about the power of friendship and kindness and the receiving and the giving and, the, and the, the sharing, which kind of holds us together and it allows us, when we kind of come into this world, we need all the friendship we can, which can be offered, making the journey and also the passing out of this world. Love and friendship and kindness is, is an extraordinary healing and precious force, as I mentioned, in this, in, the, in, in, in this world. And beautifully, it's really in the heart of the Buddha's Dharma, as I just expressed to you just a few minutes uh, uh, ago. And we can be completely comfortable with the language of God in this uh, tradition. And we can be completely comfortable without the language of God. It is that generous and that flexible. You know, I was brought up a Catholic. Can you imagine, as a, as a Catholic said, beautiful what the Church does, but we will not use the word God, we will not use the word Jesus, we will not use the word uh, the Church, and we will not use the word the Bible. we we'll drop those words out because some people like and appreciate and others don't. Can't imagine it. But in these teachings, we can drop the word the Buddha, we can drop the word, the Dharma, we can drop the word, the Sangha, we can have the word, God, we have flexibility. It's a generous spirit of teaching. And, that, and that's, it is an act of kindness. I went to Ajahn Damodaro, my uh, teacher once, in a bit of agitation going on inside, in the monastery where I did my practice, we passed an hour for three years, and I said to him, well, how do we know that the Buddha existed it's two and a half thousand years ago? Okay, there's loads of books around, and, and might be some good things in the books, but it could have just been written, and, and, and there was, never was any Buddha. Do you know what his response was? Who cares? <laughs> If the practice is working for you, that's what matters. It's a lovely attitude. Oh yeah, I can practice with this guy, he doesn't care. (laughs) I have a slight tendency in that direction myself. (laughs) (laughs) Alright. So sometimes, in the expansiveness, it includes, love includes the expansiveness of the language, the expansiveness of the words. Uh, there, So we're not kind of fix, <coughs> pardon me, fixated on anything. It is a liberation not to be fixated, to feel the generosity of the spirit which is love, to <coughs> express words and languages in ways in which, what I find in the act of uh, listening, that communication seems to flow most easily back and forward if I have some sense of the language of the words that she or he is using that we we, we meet in this way and you could bring in the word Buddhism with some people and immediately they've gone cold dry oh god not another missionary Uh, or whatever uh, it, it, it might be and the word you know, Dharma, what the, hell, what the hell does that mean? And I made the mistake, I mentioned, I mentioned this years ago, when I disrobed on the Monday, and um, the whole ritual that goes with this, by the way, flew to Australia um, giving a retreat. We were actually talking about it just in Australia a few months ago. And I got invited by the ABC, it's the uh, radio Broadcasters in Australia, Australian Broadcasting Company, and they uh, to to uh, inter- interview me. So they asked me what I was, what I did, and I said I am a a Dharma teacher. And and so that so on came the, the program, the radio program in the morning, a few minutes, two or three minutes, and the person said the interviewer said to me we have with us today Mr. Christopher Titlis from England, a former Buddhist monk and he is a drama teacher. (laughs) (laughs) Who am I to argue? (laughs) And then she said to me the Christians um, believe that God created the world. And she said, the scientists say that, <coughs> that the world came from the Big Bang. She said, what do you Buddhists believe? <laughs> and I said, Buddhists believe that the world was formed from elephant shit. <laughs> and then... <laughs> I mean, it's just a one-liner. And then she said, Do Buddhists... I mean, this is a reporter, ABC. Do Buddhists believe that there were elephants before the world? <laughs> no. <laughs> I said, Frank, personally, what does it matter? What happened millions of years ago? Again, we've got enough to deal with. Already in this world, without worrying how the world started or, how, or what's going on at the beginning of it, uh, there. And so, in a, sometimes the exploration of these uh, uh, things, sometimes plus <coughs> <has> some humour, <coughs> treating things uh, lightly and not too seri- uh, too seriously, has a kind of empathy and kindness and playfulness uh, with it and 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 we need that we need that gosh sometimes the Buddhist wise God it's deadly serious isn't it you know you know, the, uh, you know equanimity is, it's become synonymous with not smiling you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's a slight exaggeration but it's very slight <laughs> etc so we want the human heart with friendship and and uh, uh, love to manifest itself, to uh, uh, show itself. <coughs> With this, now uh, in the, the d- detail uh, here, in the day, in the meditations here, do, 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 please stop from time to time and say, What shows the love here? And it doesn't have to be a matter of the heart. It, 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 to me, it's a little bit boxed. So, what I mean by that is that. Some people that I know and you know, I wouldn't call them people of the heart, we might say, gosh, this person is a a remarkable scholar, an extraordinary uh, intellectual, uh, one who who engages in actions which are really important, and not a person to talk about their heart, talking about what they're feeling, wouldn't know how to speak about love, may not even know how to say I love you to the partner or to the kids or whatever. Just not their language, heart, world. We shouldn't expect everybody to have the languages of the heart. Uh, There's too much. Some people are much... Their mind is so precious and beautiful. The research they do, the scientists, what they are doing, the engineers... uh, what they are doing, the academics and the scholars and many, many others. Yeah. Their, la- their language is, is in the mind and the Buddhist Dharma has full respect for this. Deep love, deep appreciation for such people where there is an ethic supporting their work, supporting their research, supporting their engineering which is really is for the welfare of all of us and therefore they are showing immense acts of kindness even if they can't talk about their heart even if it's not heart-full in that way that you and I might know as the meditator but they're doing wonderful work so the wholeness of the human being love can clearly manifest in its feeling, tone and content here, in the subtlety of all of this, <coughs> to really notice and pick up from time to time, if possible, the friendship and the kindness and the love in the most ordinary uh, of, of gestures. There, we listened yesterday evening to with the uh, inquiry uh, uh, time, and having one in this. The, communication with the government here, having passed, been going to Israel since the early 1990s, and in making the uh, journey there, so in the country and out of the country, once or twice uh, uh, a year. And what I didn't express uh, 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 last night was, I've expressed sometimes two um Those who are checking the passengers, they want to ensure that there's no uh, acts of terror being planned and there's no weapons or or, or whatever uh, in the passenger. And express appreciation because those work of those Israelis at um, at the airport uh, there is protecting us, it's saving the plane from being blown up. I think that is genuinely important, but I still say there that though there may be a search taking place of the person, passenger, and I've been through it myself, I know what what the search is like, (coughs) though there may be that taking place, I still say that the human being can engage in in that uh, there with friendship, with love, with very deep respect and speak about that first to help the person who is being searched to understand uh, the motives behind it. It doesn't have to be invasive, it doesn't have to be aggressive, but it does need meta. It does not mean oppression and control and feeling invaded uh, there. And so in these delicate matters and many many uh, uh, others and it needs to be, of course, free from discrimination, that's another factor uh, as well. And it needs us, sometimes you and I, have to and do ask difficult questions uh, there. At times we need to be clear, firm, decisive and uh, straightforward. it can sound like, to the listener, that is, what they call, what's that psychological sound passive-aggressive, you know, something like that. It can be um, rather rude um, uh, and evasive uh, to the person. But we want to be able to be firm and clear, questioning and in, uh, inquiry at times. But, <coughs> pardon me, really check in, where is the love? This is one of the great <coughs> songs of the last couple of decades played it on retreat where is the love check out the lyrics five star bed uh, uh, etc <laughs> <laughs> and as, and so we check in with ourselves and sometimes and people will say to me and probably to you as well, oh you sound really angry oh you, you sound really Ir, ir, uh, irritate you're really upset there. And that feedback may come to us. And it, it's part of our work and our expression. It could be true. It could be the reality of it. So let me learn from that. Let me see if I'm going to use those same themes or words again. What is the tone of voice? What is the feeling message? What is the clarity that needs to come on? Because the pr- there is only one reason to speak, only one to be heard, to be listened to, to be understood. And sometimes, including myself, sometimes we kind of miss there. Sometimes we hear things which concern or upset us and we need to have the quiet confidence as an act of kindness for the other to speak about that. What you said, that really hurt. It upset me. I was confused about it. What did you mean by that? Just checking out. And that gives us, the privilege of speaking, (coughs) an opportunity just to reflect. Hmm. Was there kindness there? Was there friendship there? Was there clarity there? Was it a wise communication? So when we look at our meditations, when we look at our reflections, when we look at our actions, when we look at our creativity, when we explore our ethics, every single one of them, in some way or other, can communicate what's important and it can have some love in it not to repeat not necessarily as a feeling but it is there some love in it and in that we contribute to love on this earth and to live is to love let's have our quiet minute together shall we did you? May all beings explore the wide range of expressions of love, may all beings abide with a deep friendship towards all beings and all life, may all beings live with love and liberation,